Welcome to the Sylvan Australia podcast, where we talk everything rural lifestyle. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Sylvan Australia podcast. And on, on this episode, we are joined by Craig White from Bayer. Thanks for joining us again, Craig. Yeah, g'day, Nick. Really good to be with you again on the Sylvan podcast. No worries. Hey, Craig, on this podcast, you're actually wearing a different hat. So you've come on here as the captain of the Hester Brook Volunteer Bushfire Brigade in Bridgetown, correct me if I'm wrong? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, down in the uh, Bridgetown Greenbushes Shire. So one of the brigades here is the Hester Brook Volunteer Fire Brigade, of which I'm the captain here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Now that's, that's, um, it's great to hear. Craig, tell us when we talk, a lot of our listeners will know the ins and outs of what a, what the volunteer firefighter, what the volunteer bushfire brigade do, but a lot of listeners probably don't. So can you give us a brief idea of what a volunteer firefighter signs up for, especially in those months from October through to April? Yeah, sure, Nick. Um, I started when I was a cadet years ago with my father over in South Australia, actually, in the Country Fire Service, and then, yeah, worked through there from those years. So I suppose that's uh, 35 or nearly 40 ago, actually, Nick, I have to admit. But, um, no, it's been great. And, look, you really sign up for protecting your community, um, you know, responding to, of course, bushfires is what people perhaps think of uh, for first and foremost, but a lot of it's too about you know, fire prevention, awareness, you know, in areas, especially around Bridgetown here and other parts of Australia, no doubt, where there's a lot of that, what we call the rural-urban interface, interface, rural-urban interface, and we can talk about that a bit later on. But, you know, you mentioned there, yeah, the active sort of firefighting is during those sort of more summer months, but uh, finding increasingly with more of the, you know, the small landholders and property sort of getting closer to the bush and all that sort of stuff Nick there's a lot of um, lot of events going on all through the the whole year in actual fact because we should be thinking about fire safety uh, bushfire you know control and getting our properties ready just you know all year really in, in reality but I mean there's key times when things need to get done and yeah that's what we wanted to have a bit of a talk about today of course but yeah when you're a when you're a volunteer firefighter, it can get pretty hectic at times and busy, but um, knowing that, you know, we live here and we want to protect what we've got and, and not mm. have that devastation um, or, you know, minimise it as much as possible, Nick. Yeah. Look, as, as, a, as a Sylvan, I mean, we, we get around and visit a lot of customers and dealers and a lot of our dealer network and our customers, of course, sign up for the volunteer uh, brigade. I'm really interested to know, like, I mean, it, 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 is, it can be practically a full-time job. I know a number of volunteers actually have to take time off work during right in the peak, mm-hmm. peak part of the season, especially if there's a fire out of control. Yeah, that's right. Being able to respond and maintain, you know, a crew, um, you know, that is something that is there all the time. And I think people do it out of the goodness of their hearts. But of course, you know, it's the place they live in and more and more too with shift work. And, you know, it's no longer, a, you know, people go to work during the day and only a few go to work at night time on shift work. There's a lot more of that shift work, you know, fly in, fly out as well. So, you know, I get people often saying to me, oh, I'd love to join the fire brigade with you but I'm flying fly out so I'm not around all the time it's like well you know what when you're not around someone else actually might be on that day yeah. or may not be and whatever so vice versa so we do need to build up a critical 
core or mass, I suppose, of, of membership and everyone's got something to offer. And it's not just frontline firefighting. As I said, there's a lot of this fire prevention, community awareness, you know, lots of support activities that need to be done. And there's a great, um, you know, effort down here in Bridgetown Shire with some fantastic people that support us a lot. But you're right, it is very, very busy. Um, but we need to share the load as a crew and realise that we're not all always available. But hopefully mm. uh, getting a good number around and people that are willing to put something in, I get a lot out of it as well um, to protect their community. Plus a lot of satisfaction, actually. It's, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, Craig, tell us, you've lived on a rural property for a long time. I mean, what are some of the challenges you see in terms of protecting a rural lifestyle block um, long term? Yeah, look, the, the biggest thing I think, Nick, is that, you know, we need to be thinking about it all the time. Um, you know, it's not just when it starts to warm up with it. We should be thinking about our fire safety or bushfire safety we should be thinking about it all through the year and especially in winter it can be quite difficult to perhaps get your head around you know if you are maintaining fire breaks that um, especially if you're going to spray those out really that that process should be happening in Ben where you are I guess but down here where I am really we say if you haven't got your fire breaks sprayed by August um, around the boundaries and they are requirements of your bushfire uh, fire break order for example to have a you know, two or three meter fire break around the property um, then you're really behind the eight ball of getting that sort of done because it takes time for weeds obviously to succumb to the spray and then it takes a bit of time for them to rot down because just uh, spraying it and saying I've sprayed it and it's done or I've created a fire break um, doesn't mean that it's going to be an effective fire break for example mm. so getting onto it early is probably the biggest one you know clearing shrubs and ground you know you really want to reduce that ground fire something starts on a neighboring property you don't want it creeping across into yours so creating every opportunity you can to clean up and move stuff and burn it while you can because that's another problem we get is people tend to try and burn things you know once we get into the restricted periods when you need to get a permit and that's not always straightforward um, the weather conditions might just creep up where you know last year for example was horrendous um, start to the fire season for us in terms of really dry, lots of um, you know fuel around and people were trying to burn things and we had lots of escapes and things like that going on unfortunately because it was just can catch you out. So got to be thinking about it all the time yeah. and looking with a really you know wide view I suppose on no matter what size property you're on of things you've got around your house to tidy up or move away um, mm. just just get it right you know and even if you're going to install sprinklers or get your firefighting equipment sorted out or you know your machinery to slash your block and that you know get onto it early don't leave it until it starts to warm up and you think oh there could be a bushfire soon yeah do yeah. it early nick yeah no no we I'm, I'm hearing you craig when we talked yesterday briefly on the phone craig you spoke about um a number of different firefighting products and when, when we talk firefighting we we kind of broad in our approach we think firefighting pumps and 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 large tanks but when we were speaking on the phone yesterday you gave me an, a a completely different insight into what some of the other products we could be using in terms of not so much uh fighting a raging inferno but in terms of fighting um a, a little scrub fire or, or something like that can you tell us a little bit about that as well yeah sure look again there's a lot <clears throat> a lot more of us living in what we call this rural urban interface. So rural being you know, traditional paddocks or bush lines, you know, most of Western Australia and Southwest is bushfire prone and a lot of properties are in that 
that zone near bush um, or near agricultural or other activities which, you know, bring about their own risks of um, a fire starting on the ground and embers, ember attacks, probably the biggest one coming in. And, you know, what we talked about was, yeah, it's certainly a raging inferno, massive fire, then obviously, this, you know, part of everyone should have a fire, bushfire plan as well. That's probably another whole topic, but, you know, DFES have got excellent information on that. So if you haven't got a plan and you remember nothing else from this podcast, um, get a plan, sort it out and um, have in there certainly some equipment. There's some really good resources to show you some simple tools and techniques to, you know, combat fire or if you're burning off, you know, piles of leaves or rubbish or whatever it might be in your own property. You know, I reckon Sylvan's got a whole range of things that people mightn't have thought about. And of course, the petrol powered um, pumps and larger tanks of like what you just said are the probably what first comes to mind. But you know, if you're a small landholder or a small block, you know, what some of this 12 volt uh, battery powered stuff um, or even those other ones you have, I think the, the lithium iron mm -hmm. um, in a little trolley that you can pull around your property uh, might just be the ticket, you know, a little hundred litre tank or even some of those backpack sprayers, they can actually do quite a lot, you know, to not burn your fence posts or creep through to the neighbour or whatever, you know, it's just always good to have something on hand. I mean, we do a lot of firefighting with the, uh, so it's the high powered equipment on mm. the fire trucks, but there's, you know, we also still do a lot with uh, rake hose and, um, you know, even back, uh, you know, the old knapsack sprayers, for example. But I think some of that 12 volt technology and all that good, good battery powered technology, I should say, um, yeah. really can come into its own for small property owners who might not want to maintain a, you know, a petrol pump, for example. Yeah, one of the interesting things you said yesterday was like even wetting down the, the fence post as well, like with a sprayer like this one we've got here or even this this uh, 12 volt, sorry, lithium ion 12 litre sprayer over here. And I, I never really gave that much consideration, but even in even if you're doing a little bit of burning off, it wouldn't hurt to wet those po uh, fence posts down or, you know, if there's a little bit of a scrub fire, those those sort of products are perfect for, yep. for wetting that yep. down, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, I think I mentioned too, you know, we have the, the Sylvan, um, you know, the 12 volt sprayer that just on the carrier of our tractor in our case, um, you know, not everyone's got a tractor, but everyone's can sort of get a little cart or whatever to, or a wheelbarrow, for example, to pull things around or push around. And my wife actually prefers to, you know, utilize that because she knows she can flick the switch, have a bit of water come out and just, we were using it just on the weekend, actually, just to wet the pine post down that had dry grass coming up to them as part of our thing. We're just burning that out at the moment. And she prefers that than having to, you know, um, start a petrol pump and all the things that can come with that. Because some people just, just don't like that style of thing. Now, you know, with these smaller units, you're not going to put out, you know, large walls of flame or anything like that. That's not what it's about. But um, I think just in maintaining and getting your property ready, or indeed if you get spot fires coming in, uh, embers coming in or something from, from a fire, and they can happen before you know it, you know. So having something battery powered that's ready to go, um, with it can, you know, a small fire is the best sort of one to have, Nick. It certainly is, Craig. You know, I agree 100%. And, and without being, um, uh, I don't, without being sexist, but even a, a 12 volt product is, is far easier to use if it is a husband and wife or a, a father yep. and a young child at home. A young child can operate something like this. Starting up a petrol engine is is inherently, especially a ripcord if it's a little bit old, or you know, it's it's a bit difficult to start. It, it's inherently difficult for children or 
even you know elderly to start so these sort of products just for wetting down a little bit of a scrub fire are perfect aren't they yeah that's right scrubbing grass um just for wetting down things like that and yeah like when i said my wife did that i also you know use the the little sylvan spray when i'm you know doing stuff in this time of the year and always have a couple of um knapsacks i suppose um you know, the, the eight litre sprayers um, full of water just on the veranda that you can quickly grab if something did did happen to break out on your property because you just don't know when it's going to happen, Nick. I think, um, you know, even with rural lifestyle too, there's a lot of people retiring to the, you know, the bush areas and these, where we call the rural in, urban interface. And, you know, some of this petrol equipment with big tanks and that can be damn heavy as well. So quite tricky to operate. So there's also a a really important, I think, message in that, that some of this lighter equipment and getting a bit prepared so you have got some capacity on your own place um, is what it's all about. And I reckon, yeah, having a look at the range Sylvan have, I'm pretty impressed by some of the equipment here that you might not first think of as a firefighting piece of equipment, but uh, they look pretty handy to me. Yeah, no, certainly. And, um, well, you just mentioned before then the rural urban interface. Can you tell us, can you elaborate a little bit on that, Craig, as well? Yeah, sure. Look, we've got obviously, you know, bush and agricultural areas. So um, they're the rural area, I suppose. I mean, we would sort of collectively say anywhere outside of a metro area is rural, but what the rural urban interface means is the zone or where pretty much the bush and, you know, paddocks and things come up against houses. So some new housing estates, you know, they have bush all the way around them, for example, with just a couple of roads in and out. Um, you know, quite a dangerous area that we... Um, you know, there are certain things that are put in place by shires when they put those in. But as a firefighter, the rural urban interface is one of the biggest um, challenges for us because it gets pretty complex in there with lots of fences, lots of individual properties. Um, you know, we have a, a fire out in the bush, can quickly get into an estate, um, into dry grass or whatever. And, you know, you won't always have a fire truck driving up your driveway to, to put that, fire, that spot fire out. But if you've got some equipment yourself, um, maybe you could get on top of that or at least hold something down um, until, you know, the fire brigade can get there, for example. So rural urban interface, just that sort of zone between, um, yep, the rural areas and the urban or built up sort of places where you've got, you know, five, ten acre blocks or even, you know, smaller than that, thousand, heck, mm. uh, thousand square metre sort of blocks in estates, that sort of thing. And having some, you know, taking responsibility and having some of your own equipment, uh, can make a huge difference between losing it um, or not. Yeah. Craig, I was going to say that in, in, especially in Western Australia, and I'm sure right across Australia, but in, in particular Perth and the outer metro area, that's just about everywhere now. You can draw basically yep. a, a big buffer zone from north right down into the east, down to the south, where we're seeing a lot of that. And I, I must be honest with you, I spoke with a, uh, a resident in the, in a, uh, housing development area north of here. I won't disclose the exact area. And there was a large bushfire there last year. Uh, sorry, at the start of this year. And, um, you know, they didn't realise how prone they actually were. And they commented on how quick the volunteer bushfire brigade were on site. And there was practically, you know, the whole estate was protected by uh, volunteer bushfires. And um, I think they've changed the way they think. And, you know, for the people that live in, in the city, um, 
that's great, but it's, it's those people, it's educating those people out in these fringes or, <clears throat> excuse me, the rural yeah. urban interface. I think that's, that's the key in my mind, educating those people. Yeah, well and truly, Nick, and, you know, an example in the Bridgetown Greenbushes Shire, you know, as an example, we have 10 volunteer bushfire brigades, um, you know, one to two, say, let's say two fire trucks or fire appliances each, <clears throat> varying sort of sizes, big trucks, small land cruisers and things like that. Um, so that's, you know, a net total of 20 you know, vehicles that can respond, let's say, but, you know, if there's a whole heap of stuff going on, uh, you won't necessarily have a fire truck driving up your driveway um, at any given time. So having some of your own equipment there, Nick, um, in, in all these rural areas. And the other thing to note too is people might say, well, look, if I'm in an estate or whatever, uh, semi-rural or, you know, urban setting, then I'm going to have my, you know, my hose at the back of my house that I'm going to turn on the tap and put the fire out. But, you know, water supplies, if we're fighting a a large fire out in the bush that people, you know, would probably know about it, but not necessarily be aware that, you know, water pressure can get really low, the power mm. can go off, you know, your pumps. And there's a lot of estates too that are getting set up that don't have reticulated water. So you have your own rainwater tank and rely on your own pump. And of course, um, to get that to the taps, like I do in my place, but without electricity, it's useless. So, you know, I have a generator system set up for ours so that we can, maintain them but you know equally as effective as these um battery powered or petrol powered pumps to have around your property and if you're a small property you might go you know what some of that battery powered gear is uh, exactly what i want or if i just can't handle big equipment um have a good look into it so having something yeah. and don't rely on the reticulated or the pressurized town supply i suppose some places don't even have it so they'll know what i'm talking about but if you do have it um you know have a think about what would happen if you couldn't just turn the tap on and use the nozzle to spray the, you know, to put the fire out at the back, at your back fence, for example, when it happens yeah. to you very quickly. Yeah, no, I bet it does. So Craig, where can people find further information from the DFES website? Yeah, sure. Go to DFES. So that's the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. So it's DFES, D-F-E-S dot W-A dot gov dot I-E. And the great thing about the DFES website, if you look on their homepage, there's a, whole heap of different emergency types sort of down the bottom of the page and one of them will be bushfire for example so when you click on that area um, it'll come up with um, a really good menu there on you know how to prepare to come up with uh, you know getting getting um, getting prepared for the fire season so it'll say overview prepare for a bushfire so that's what we should all be doing right now and that'll show you how to make a bushfire plan what do you do during a bushfire, including the alerts and warning system? So people should know too, you know, what does a what does a bushfire advice mean? What does a watch and act mean? And what does an emergency um, alert mean, for example? And when, you know, different triggers that you should have in those. And one of the biggest ones is an advice sort of tells you something's going on. You should be starting to get prepared in that particular time. And a watch and act is often one people get a bit confused with. The key in that is, you're not just going to watch and wait and see what happens. You're actually going to act and actually do some things. So that might be, you know, evacuating your property, loading the car at least and knowing where the car keys are ready to go. Make sure you've got your battery chargers for your phones and all those sorts of things. And then there's some other really good resources. So just go to dfez.wa.gov.au, do your plan, get some preparation underway right now, and then also what to do during a bushfire. But, you know, once it starts, um, it'll either be a case of, 
You're not going to sit there and wait and see what happens. Um, if a small fire on your property, attend to it. But if it really is out of hand, you really need to make a call to get out of there, basically. But that's where the DFES website will really mm -hmm. help out, Nick, to know yeah. what those are. And you've got to have those triggers um, taking into account your own situation, you know, your health and your ability to want to do that and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. a lot of good stuff to go there. Well, the, the link to that website's on the... If anyone's watching the YouTube um, channel, uh, you'll see the website link there on the bottom of the, of the video as we're speaking right now. Also, Craig, while I've got you, people that are interested in joining the Volunteer Bushfire Brigade, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, sure. Look, it's uh, every shire would have a, you know, a contact there. So you can make contact just easy with your, your shire administration office and ask about your local brigade. Um, there will be links certainly through DFES as well, but not direct to the brigades as such. You'd be able to find out, you know, say I'm in this area, who would be around? I know down here at Hesterbrook, we... Um, you know, we get a lot of inquiries from people. We have some signs out and about with a phone number on them. So keeping your eyes open for that as well. And I just say one other thing too, you know, like sometimes to, to join up can be a little bit daunting and you think, well, what can I do? You know, I don't really, I've never done this before, but you know, we do provide that training, that backup. Um, and there are a lot of roles as well. It's not just about the front line all the time. I mean, that's really important getting out amongst the fire, but there is a lot of support. I mean, myself as a captain of a brigade, it's great to know I've got people that can respond very quickly and are sort of that on that front line. But I also need, you know, relief crews to come through to do mopping up, um, what we call, you know, putting the, getting the fire right out or to a, to a stage where it's completely safe. Um, but also just things back at the station, you know, cleaning vehicles, um, servicing equipment and all that sort of stuff, um, even communications. There's all sorts of roles. So, yeah, don't be shy. Um, get involved and, you know, you meet a lot of great people as well. So a little bit daunting to start with, perhaps. I think I don't know any of those people. I wonder how it'll go. But you know what? That'll only last a very short amount of time. The first time you go there after that, I'm sure you'll make some lifelong friends if you get right amongst it. And I might add, 99% of employers will understand the need for sometimes volunteers to take time off work and, and race out to, to, to sort out a fire and, or a situation. And uh, that, I've never known of an employer that was begrudged a volunteer firefighter from leaving their place of work to, to put out a fire. That's right. And I think it comes, we really thank them for that. Um, you know, and I think it comes the same. Everyone lives somewhere and can be impacted by fire. So that empathy for each other to know that, you know, we have to minimise the impacts as best we can um, is probably where it comes from that, that, um, that, that sort of, um, uh, that sentiment, Nick, you know, that people know that, um, yeah, if um, you're out there protecting something, I hope someone's protecting my place, for example. Exactly. Yeah, no, most certainly, Craig. Hey, Craig, well, look, we'll, we'll wrap this one up here. Uh, thanks for your time on the podcast once again, this time wearing your volunteer bushfire captain's hat on this one. I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully everything's going well at Bayer as well. And um, we look forward to having you on the podcast uh, sometime soon. No worries. Thanks very much, Nick. It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, everyone get out, make your plan and start prepping now. That's it. All right. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for that. See you later.